welcome to the third episode of Random Gibberish, and this is your host, Vivek. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a topic that is still considered to be a taboo. People experiencing it are still hesitant to open up with the fear of being judged. Many lack awareness and have a lot of misconceptions. So today, we have with us Neetu Thiwari to answer some basic questions on mental health. Neetu is a licensed clinical psychologist by profession and human by passion. She has done her post-masters in clinical psychology from the University of Calcutta and was trained in Indian Psychoanalytic Society as a student. She was awarded a gold medal for her academic performances during the master's in clinical psychology. She has worked with autoimmune disorders and chronic pain. Her research work is on happiness, anxiety, and fibromyalgia. Her work on fibromyalgia received the Best Paper Award in the National Conference of Clinical Psychology 2020. A speaker at multiple national conferences, her mantra is that life is a gift and living is a purpose itself. She is an adoring animal, plant lover, and a devoted reader. A resilient woman who is seen as a resilient source of strength to her family, friends, and much-loved patients. Healing to her is a holistic process where all of us have a unique way towards a much happier, healthier self. So join me in welcoming Neetu Thiwari. Uh, good evening, uh, Dr. Neetu. Thanks a lot for taking your time off uh, to go ahead and joining our show. Uh, the reason why we wanted to have you on our show is because of two major reasons. First is to spread awareness on what mental health is. And the second is to remove any common myths or misconceptions uh, that people generally have on, on mental illness. So Dr. Neetu, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you, Vivek. Thank you for having me here. And I am, I don't call myself doctor. I just call myself Neetu because I'm a clinical psychologist. Yeah. Would like okay. To that. Okay. That's, that's, that's that on my yeah. part. So we'll keep it as Neetu. So Neetu, to start with, yeah. can you walk us through your journey of becoming a clinical psychologist and what motivated you to go ahead and pursue this field? Uh, yeah, I think that's really interesting question so i i think uh, it started uh, at school when i was in school i had psychology as one of my subjects and i was introduced to psychology in my 11th and 12th grade and before that i was really interested in literature i was a uh, like a very good student of uh, history of indian literature so I started working on that uh, since my ninth grade. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I used to read everything and uh, learn about the history of Indian literature, like how it evolved okay. and things like that. And that was very interesting. So I used to study more about that. And then uh, even though I was a school topper and all, I chose humanities and I, I got introduced to psychology. And that helped me a lot to understand like how societies would evolve and that would change literature and religion and beliefs and things like that so i decided to do my graduation also in psychology so i, I was psychology honors graduate and uh, my college was quite experimental in nature like we used to spend uh, more than half of our day in lab so i got to know that psychology is not only about uh, you know, uh, understanding illnesses or just understanding uh, how the other person thinks or it's, it's not just philosophy, it's a science. 
and then i hmm. i got admission into my masters and till my masters i was not sure that i will do clinical psychology while doing my masters i got admission into indian psychoanalytic society also and for that uh, like if you want to be a student wow. you need to go through your own therapy and all of that so i was a student at indian psychoanalytic society and uh, there i felt really motivated to understand mind and uh, to learn mental illnesses more closely and so i decided to do my uh, final year of masters in clinical psychology and after that there was no looking back so i did my mphil also from calcutta university and got my license to practice as a clinical psychologist uh, but uh, the beginning of my journey was uh, very deep interest in uh, history and uh, political science and uh, literature and how how societies evolve and things like that so that wow. was my journey wow that, that- that's a lot of studying neetu that that is a lot of studying yeah i had all these subjects till my graduation it's only in masters that uh, yeah just this focus was only on psychology yeah perfect and and, and neetu what yeah. we spoke earlier you said uh, one of your interest area was uh, chronic pain remediation right so so could you yes. just uh, shed some light on it how how would how does psychology and chronic pain uh, tie together uh, in in those aspect so when i moved to bangalore um, 2013 i joined uh, sakra and i joined the department of autoimmune disorders i was working uh, with dr dharman mm-hmm. so i was recruited in that department and even i was very surprised like uh, why he wants a clinical psychologist in his department so he is my mentor and he introduced me to chronic pain so while in india it's a very rare thing even during our training and all we are not uh, taught very thoroughly and uh, nobody would really i mean we are posted in different clinics like you go to uh, movement disorder clinics and you go to dementia clinics during your posting including all other psychotic mm-hmm. uh, disorders and uh, neurotic disorders but you never get posted in such clinics like uh, chronic pain disorder clinic or, or uh, fertility clinic things like that so uh, my journey started there and then i started working with fibromyalgia and other autoimmune conditions uh, like sle or rheumatoid arthritis and uh, i i decided that uh, as i'm working on this patients i thought i should do a course so i did a course on chronic pain management and then uh, that was really helpful and then i realized like how psycho- psychology is related to immunology how it can impact your immune system how your mental health can impact the way you experience pain it's not only the pain that's functional in nature it is also the pain that's uh, deep rooted in um, in your immune system or uh, so yeah that that's how i got introduced to chronic pain if you have any questions mm-hmm. you can ask uh regarding like what do you want to understand otherwise i can explain a little bit about you know how it is connected so so it as, since you explained this uh, neetu I, i i'm quite amazed because i always thought pain would would have some reasons but but only when i spoke to you i'm realizing that uh once mental health uh how how uh strong it is or or how you are uh, your mental well being i never knew that relates uh 
uh, or in a way connects to all these pain, like like you mentioned, arthritis and all that. So I never knew that your yeah. mental health can also affect your immune system. So Vivek, I want you to know, and I want everybody who is listening to this podcast to know that your mind is a real thing. It's not like you are imagining things. And even if you are imagining things, that's reality for you. And mm-hmm. your mind is just manifestation of your brain. It's the functioning of your brain. You know, your brain is something that is structured. You can see. But mind is something that you can't really uh, scan. You can't really pinpoint. But it's it's whatever your mm-hmm. brain is doing is mind. You know? So mm-hmm. like any other experience, like, uh, like anything, like suppose if you are uh, working on something very important, like let's say you're cooking for your friends. And then while chopping, mm-hmm. you get a small cut. You might not even notice mm-hmm. it. You will notice it only if you go to bed, right? Mm-hmm. So for different people, like who are like, uh, you know, shoulders, who are on war front, when they get bullet shots also, they don't notice it. It's not like it's not painful. Mm-hmm. It's very painful, but they don't notice it because their mind is distracted to something bigger, you know, something more important and things mm-hmm. like that. At the same time, if you are upset, your mind, your brain will become hypervigilant and would start looking for what is hurting you, what is the probable explanation for this, and would keep looking for things. And that's how the pain amplification can happen. The psychology of uh, pain is endless. Like I can go on explaining that to you, like how brain works and how it enhances. But I also want everybody to know, like whatever you are feeling is a reality for you. And whatever your brain, your mind is making you feel is what your body is going to experience. And mind and body are not two different things. It's, it's the same thing. It's a part of the same system. It's a part of the same consciousness or awareness that you're experiencing. If you're in coma, you will not realize anything. You know, even if any part of your body is hurting or if you're under anesthesia and if somebody is doing surgery on you, you won't know that because the consciousness is missing. Mm-hmm. Right? So... The body is experiencing something. There is a brain behind it. And behind mm-hmm. every brain, there is a mind. And that's how mm-hmm. I think, you know, in short, I can explain this to you. If you want, I can yeah. explain more. But then I think we should catch up for that again. <laughs> Since that itself can be yeah, a topic of discussion. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe on one of the following weeks, we would seriously go ahead and pick your brain on one topic that's that's about the brain and and its ramification on on our body and and other things uh, that that'll be a separate discussion and an interesting discussions i suppose uh yeah. the the other question that i had which i always have had since i was a kid is is what's an actual difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist are they the same or the reason i ask is because a lot of times these words are interchanged and and used in wrong connotations so what is the actual difference? Yeah, so the difference is the psychiatrist is somebody who goes to MBBS degree. They do their medical college like, like any other doctor. And then they do specialization mm-hmm. in psychiatry. And they can mm-hmm. write medicines. Okay? okay. And a psychologist is not somebody who goes to medical school we ha- the education system is very different for both of us like psychiatrists would usually do mbbs and md and for us we do our masters in uh, clinical psychology and then mphil in clinical psychology that's two years hospital based course but has nothing to do with medicine we don't prescribe medicine 
though we need to understand how drugs work and interact with your brain we can actually uh, help psychiatrist with uh, understanding which kind of uh, you know psychopathology is this and things like that but we can't really prescribe medicine at least in india so uh, that's the basic difference yeah the education is different and the functioning is also different so psychiatrists are more into writing uh, medicines and hospitalization and ho- medical care and psychologists are basically into testing uh, psychopathology uh, formulation diagnostic evaluations and therapies psychotherapies so is it like both work hand in hand in the sense even for a psychiatrist yeah. to 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 treat a patient he should have been he or she should have been thoroughly uh, analyzed or evaluated by a clinical psychologist you do you want to say like uh, the psychiatrist should get evaluated by a clinical psychologist no no what i mean is if, if a patient if psychiatrist is is treating a patient uh so the first step before the treatment yeah i got your question so i think uh, uh this uh, screening is done by both of them right the mental status ex- examination diagnosis and evaluation are done both mm-hmm. by both of them but if there is any question queries where you need to evaluate further through psychological tests is when the psychiatrist mm-hmm. would refer patients to a psychologist okay uh yeah. that that makes total sense anitu yeah. and and mental illness is 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 a vast subject right so from a very high level if if someone wants to know what are the typical mental illness i mean when when you go over on online to do some research they they say things like schizophrenia is a mental illness as well uh from from a very high level and even things like stress and 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 depression can also be classified as 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 a mental illness so uh, from from a listener's perspective what do you think is is the common type of mental illness that you see in the world now see uh, mental illnesses can be broadly divided into two spectrum that is psychotic spectrum and neurotic spectrum okay so under psych, uh, psychotic disorders you see this kind of illnesses like bipolar disorder schizophrenia and uh, other psychotic illnesses where you see vivid hallucinations delusions like patient is unable to do self care and things like that under neurotic illnesses you see this kind of disorders like anxiety disorders like different kinds of phobia ocd generalized anxiety stress related disorders or mild depression you know again depression can be with psych with psychotic symptoms without psychotic symptoms so it depends on you know which category the patient is but this is like the two uh, major areas you know or uh, major classification points in psychiatry where you see psychotic illnesses or neurotic illnesses there are few points based on which you can discriminate like if the patient has insight or not whether the patient is having active hallucinations delusions or not mm-hmm. so most of patients with neurotic illnesses they don't have those severe symptoms and uh, they have good insight into their own problems and they usually seek help but people with psychotic problems they they are not even aware that they are they are having any problems they uh, they need a lot of help 
uh, and uh, they are dependent for care on on different people but most of neurotic okay. spectrum patients can can actually do their own care okay that that yeah. makes sense uh Nitu. so Nitu, we always uh, at least i consider uh, ourselves as a part of a society that considers itself to be progressive right so there might have been the topics which were earlier considered to be a taboo like uh, divorce uh, and same sex marriages uh, are now openly spoken about and and widely accepted uh, when we consider ourselves as such a progressive society why are still topics like mental health still a stigma why do you think people still do not speak about it and do not want to discuss about it yeah that's very interesting question and uh, i i would ask one question to you do you think covid is a stigma do you think people patients who get tested and they are covid positive do you think they feel that it's a stigma and they don't want to discuss it with anybody well that's you feel that's people might feel uh, yeah they they at times i think they might because it's they might be casted out or people might not come forward to support them or help them if they know they have covid so that yeah. might trigger them not to go ahead and disclose it yeah. yeah even i like today also i had one patient uh, i was having online session with him he got diagnosed with covid and he said like physically i'm fine i don't have many symptoms but mentally i'm not fine because i feel people are treating me differently and uh, they feel like uh, you know i am some somebody outcasted or something like that so i would like to pinpoint on this that when we say divorce and same sex marriages are getting ex- acceptance in our society we also see a major part of our society that has not accepted it at all the divorce getting divorce is still a stigma same sex marriages or even just having a different orientation is still a stigma people don't want to talk about it and why only that in fact um, having a tuberculosis or uh, getting uh, any other illness which was once a stigma people still feel a major part of india would still feel that those illnesses are still into that category when people don't want to talk about it or they don't want their near and dear ones to know about it mm-hmm. you know if some if if a girl was in in this age of marriage or something if she has a thyroid dysfunction people don't want to talk about it if it is ivf somebody is going through fertility treatment they don't want to talk about it if it is uh, obesity or uh, any chronic illness nobody wants to talk about it and when it comes to mental illnesses my understanding is that it's a very vague thing like covid we don't know we don't know yet like uh, uh, your treatments uh, are not very like confirmed and the outcomes are not very sure the prognostic factors are not very sure so people don't feel comfortable talking about it because they are not sure like whether they will be out of it or not what kind of impact they will have to face and things like that i think that's one of the reasons why people still feel afraid to talk about mental illnesses i have an anxiety support group and i feel people mm-hmm. there are very supportive of each other because i have patients who have recovered i have i have people who 
are still struggling and then people who have recovered they are very sure you know what they're dealing with and they reassure others and they never feel like this is stigma or we don't want to talk about what we have gone through but then there are there are people who have who were not sure about what they were dealing with like the treatment was not their diagnosis was not was not appropriate or their treatment was not on time and they have suffered many many years so they don't want to talk about it you know got it so they i think uh, not having uh, you know the same standard of treatment and people not speaking the same language or not having a very uniform uh, training is one of the reasons why we still and many other factors like not having a proper uh, mental health insurance and uh, this becoming uh, like a liability on the patient who's suffering and uh, in, in their future also like they are not sure like how much care they would need whether they would get dependent and things like that in that matter uh, even chronic pain like or uh, tension type headache as simple as that or epilepsy people don't want to talk about it because they're not sure they're not sure about where it is going how it will end so is the is if if you have to address that fear neetu is it is it contributing or should efforts be put on to ask people who are suffering from it to speak out or should we train everyone that if someone has it and they speak out how you need to respond or support them which which factor do you think, think would be most i think we need to really effective? start at a very grassroots level and policies that we have regarding mental health or uh, prevention of mental health or care for mental health that really need to get revised worldwide uh, insurance policy it should be a part of part of uh, like society like any other illness like if you get flu or even malaria or dengue you you are not afraid to talk about it because you know you are covered you know you are yeah. going to take this medicine and you are going to get better right so if we if we are sure about that mm-hmm. we would not hesitate to talk about it at least in our literate population you know urban population people won't mind talking about it mm-hmm. because they will know that this is common and it is there in every household you know one in every four person you giving that data right and i was reading uh, in in who website also that how common it is so it's very common and people also we also know you know that it's there in every household but we don't want to talk about it because of various reasons because of the policies that we have worldwide because of the care that we get or because of uh, uh, uniformity of information or uh, standardization of treatment there are there are various things i think uh, we need to work at different level and as you been pointed at that uh, teaching people that you know this is how you respond to it or this is how you take it like it's okay to talk to a psychologist and uh, it's okay to take medicine you know uh, i think that would make a, a lot of difference and also government bodies and and uh, you know who in organizations like that should get involved you know more proactively into this whole process and and neetu you you brought up great point of insurance coverages and all that that's that's very much important as well because uh, india as of now you are moving towards 
mandatory health insurance covers. They are trying to reevaluate the policies, make sure that the people who take policies uh, get uh, their due advantage and, and, and cover everything. So from that perspective, uh, in any field, whenever rules needs to be uh, rolled out, recognition needs to be rolled out, a standard treatment procedure needs to be rolled out. It's always done by the pioneers uh, in that specific field. So I, I do see that uh, from from a mental health perspective, uh, the the knowledge is is now being people are getting aware because of the latest news and all that that's happening. There's a lot of suicides happening and all that. So people are getting aware that it is a problem that needs to be solved. So how do you think? As, as a professional yourself, uh, can there be a change uh, in, in the insurance policy? Should, should uh, the, as per you, should the people in that, in your fraternity be there in uh, making rules on, on how policies or medical insurance needs to be drafted and how to cover those? Yeah, and people are already doing it. It has been done to some extent, but then, yeah, definitely needs a lot of work and uh, people from different uh, specialities like uh, psychiatry or neurology or uh, even uh, general uh, practitioners and psychologists definitely mm -hmm. they should uh, be involved in policy makings and things like that which is always there it's not like government is not trying it's happening but then mm -hmm. yeah the process is and and then we we should also you know advertise such things it should also be broadcasted and people should get to know about these things like yeah this is happening makes, makes sense and and Nitha was doing some research about uh, about the mental health uh, illness and and the effects and some of the facts that i came across was about half of the mental disorders begin before the age of 14 around one to five of world's children and adolescents have mental disorders. About 800,000 people uh, die by suicide every year. Uh, these facts are quite alarming. And what I was alarmed the most is the advent of mental illness in children. Are these facts actually true? Do is that that is is mental yeah. illness not just categorized based on a certain demographic and and lifestyle, and it it, it can go. It, you can even have it in children. Oh, yes, as I said, like your mind has a brain, your body has a brain and it's not different. You know, a lot of this, as I said, like uh, every or even chronic pain, there are a lot of neurochemicals involved in that. You know, like uh, these are experiences that uh, that that your brain would decide like what you will have. And then brain like the functioning of brain is dependent on this uh, chemicals and a lot of uh, mental illnesses. Mm -hmm are uh, genetically inherent like any other illness like if you have a family history of diabetes you are more prone mm -hmm. to it if you have a family history of uh, cardiac uh, disorders or illnesses you become more prone to it and similarly if you have a family history of schizophrenia or bipolar disorder you become more prone to it it's not like uh, you're it's it's any different from any other physical illness okay so many of these disorders now nowadays we also believe like there are disorders like schizophrenia or bipolar 
specific specifically schizophrenia we feel it's a neurodevelopmental disorder like you are born with it and it will keep growing with you and at a certain age it would start manifesting itself you know i have also worked with children with a neurotic spectrum disorder like ocd and generalized anxiety mm-hmm. as well, i and i see a like wonderful response from children they respond amazingly uh, on psychotherapy like uh, especially ocd i it's quite a lot of fun to work with children with ocd they take it very well and they deal with it very well and they need fewer sessions compared to adults so yeah it is real and it happens we we need to believe that and it's not intentional it's not like you just uh, believe you have a disorder and so you have a disorder it's real it's it's there yeah you need to see it to believe it <laughs> no 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 it, it makes sense i mean even i as a person did not have a lot of knowledge of mental illness but i personally have seen patients as young as 2 uh, year old with ocd i worked with a child um wow. and uh, i have worked with uh, a girl who was 9 year old which is a freemium so yeah i've seen quite a number of cases like that so so as a as a patient or a person who's suffering i mean you said people who know they have a problem can open out so when it comes to children is it how, how do they find that out is it is it the responsibility of the parent to to understand that there is some kind of a condition that my kid might have and taking a consultation is is something good to do yeah with very young children i feel uh, it's very evident and parents notice it immediately and uh, they also know that this is not uh, how my child is usually so uh, they immediately seek uh, consultations they usually don't come to psychologists they go to uh, pediatric uh, pediatricians and then they get referred mm-hmm. to us by pediatricians and uh, so yeah it's not only mental illnesses or disorders there are uh, like developmental disorders also or uh, like children who are developmentally delayed or who have pervasive developmental disorders like autism so all this gets screened early if uh, if if the visit to a pediatrician is regular because uh, it, it is it is not very difficult to identify and if they are little uh, if children they grow up a little like they are 7 8 9 they also know that this is not right this is my my mind is saying this or i'm feeling this way and they can also express it to their parents and if it is more severe illness like schizophrenia or bipolar then it, it is hard to ignore you can't ignore it so definitely identification is not a problem at all you will see distress in children very quickly adults uh, we would defend and we'll try to understand and suppress and manage on our own also but children they usually express it and it is quite uh, it's it's quite evident in their behavior on a day to day basis okay okay that that makes sense yeah. 
We will be continuing this conversation next week. It's a wrap from the studios of Random Gibberish. This is your host, Vivek. Keep it real and keep smiling.